Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. If you have your Bibles or you have uh, an app on your phone or tablet, uh, would you go ahead and grab it? You, You want to look toward the end of the Bible for the book of James. And we'll be in the first chapter, the first four verses today, and we'll get there in a few minutes. But I wanted to talk today, and I wanted us to have a time of teaching and learning today about this one thing, meditation. All right, now, if you, if you grew up in, in a conservative kind of, uh, kind of fundamentalist or, 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 or evangelical-type church, then you, you didn't hear the term meditation a lot, except from the scriptures where it teaches us to meditate on these things. But trying to figure out these things is part of the challenge. But I, I want to put today's teaching in this light. Uh, if you have a phone, uh, make sure that you have it out. We're going to use, we're going to have a little interactive session with your phone today. Go ahead and pull it out. And uh, if you have, if you can't jump on the Wi-Fi, you're not going to use I mean, you know, minute amount of, uh, of data. So just go ahead and pull that out and we're going to use it in a few minutes. But I want to put it in this perspective and that is this. If I had, if I had the patent on and I had created a pill, And this pill you could take each morning and place it under your tongue. And then when you close your mouth, you could feel this pill start to dissolve and work its way into your system. And and the end result was it took 11 minutes for this pill to dissolve in your system. But you knew every day when you put that pill under your tongue, you knew that your life was going to be better, that that the, the challenges found in our relationships and our work would be better. That, I, that, that we would be healthier, that we would be wiser, that we would have more peace in our life. If you knew you could take that pill, but you had to be totally still for 11 minutes for it to do its thing, but you took that and tomorrow morning on Monday, on Thursday morning, you knew I've got to sit still for 11 minutes and put that, but I know it's going to make me a far better person. I will guarantee you 100% participation. If you knew, well, hey, I, I'm heavy, I can lose weight with this pill on it. I, I, I don't focus well, but when, when I let this pill dissolve under my tongue, I am on it. When, if, if I'm tired every afternoon at two, but that doesn't happen to me when I take this pill, I'm on it. If, if, if I really need help, I, I'm gonna take this pill and it seems like everything works. You'd be, on, you'd be on that pill, I guarantee it. You'd be working toward that pill. And then there would be such a, I mean, the demand for that would be unbelievable. And the insurance companies would figure out how they gotta cover it. And, and all of a sudden, it would be like the Gwinnett County water system flowed their water through the filter of Prozac and we were all happy. Could I say to you, there have been seasons in my house where I needed it to flow through Xanax and then through Prozac and then through anything else that might help. And we needed to have happy water somewhere. And I think that's true for most of us. I read an article this week that said, on national averages, a third of us in this room are on some type of anxiety medication. And let me just stop and say, if you are, and the the doctor believes you need it, by all means, do it, all right? I mean, I'm not one of those preachers who say, you know, you just need to get your mind right. Listen, if you need it, do it, right? But there's a third of us that would greatly benefit from it. (laughs) Does anybody's face, did it flash across your brain right then? 
How many, let's be totally honest, how many would say, that's my spouse? Okay, you guys are liars. I guarantee you half of you want to say that. Let me ask it a different way. My ex. Okay, now we're getting some response. Okay, so, so when you look at this, if you knew you could do this and you knew it was going to have this radical change in your life, would you do it? Because you see, I believe when the scripture teaches us to meditate on these things, there's a specificity as to what we're supposed to be focused on. Let me start with an Old Testament verse. Stay in James. We'll put it up on the screen. You just stay with me. It's from the book of Joshua. And in Joshua chapter one, verse eight, the scripture says, this book of the law, and he's referring to the Bible, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Now, this passage from Joshua, leave it up there for a little bit, guys. Okay, so it, it refers to it, this book of law. And so literally in the Old Testament, we're taking the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and we're taking those five books and, and as, as an Old Testament first century Jew, you would have known that this was the book of law. This was God's way. This is his, this, this is his, his barricades on either side of the road. And they're saying, it's not going to leave your, it's, it's not going to leave you. It's staying with you, but you need to meditate on it day and night. And so Joshua is saying, when you do that, the result is that you may be careful to do according all that is written in it. Now, the punchline in this is those two words, to do, all right? So when it says, don't let it leave you, let it stay within you, let its voice come from your mouth, not just your thoughts, but the word of God. And when you do that, when you meditate on it day and night, you're going to do these things that God approves of. Now, if you're like me, you did a lot of things both in your head, with your hands, with your feet, with your eyes, with your ears, with your actions, with your attitudes this week that we know God wouldn't be pleased with, right? But if we want to please the Lord, if we really believe living the Christian life is the single best way to get from here to heaven, and then the bonus round is we get heaven, then you wouldn't have any problem putting God in the priority slot of number one in your life and on your heart, and you would meditate on those things. So meditation, you say, why meditation, Chuck? Why focus on that? Because I genuinely believe that if you truly believe that God loves you to the degree that he saw our sinfulness and our selfishness, but loved us still enough to send his son to die for us, be buried in a borrowed tomb three days later, raised from the dead and go to heaven to create a place for all those believe. If you believe that's true, then you would have no problem saying somewhere in my 24 hours, I'm willing to give God 11 minutes. But if you really don't believe that, if you believe all that having a relationship with Christ is for, all that the Christian life is for is a life insurance policy that when I die, I get to go to heaven, then you won't make it a priority. You see, our willingness and our ability to prioritize meditating on these things tells us what our true faith system is. Because if you really believe God wants to hear from you, that God wants to talk with you, that God has a direction and a plan for you and it's found inside the word of God, then you're not gonna have a problem with this. But if you don't really believe that, 
then, then you haven't been doing that. Now on average, that means that about 97.1% of you in this room rarely have ever spend time with God meaningfully in the word of God or in prayer Monday through Saturday. So I would say if, if we want to make America great again, we need to stop all this silly bickering back and forth with candidates and parties that's not doing anything to make America great again. And we might want to start with our own heart and putting God as the only thing great in our life. And, and I'm pretty confident when we do that, America will get great again. But it's going to start with us. And it's going to start with the presence of the Word of God in our life. And we're going to hear it and read it and respond to it. And it's going to saturate us to the bone. And when that happens, we're going to walk in the power and the presence and the goodness and the blessing of God. And that's our goal. So I believe I want to give you a math program today. And we're going to start with the number two. So write down two, and then right beside it, put a plus sign, right? Two plus, okay? Because we're going to do an equation. Now, I have admitted to you before that math comes easy for me until you put words in the equation. Like when two trains are leaving Fayetteville, Arkansas, and they're headed toward Huntsville, Alabama, one of them stops each 30 minutes. The other one goes and stops one time for an hour. They're both traveling 57 miles per hour, and which train gets there fastest and at what time. And when I read that, I think, who cares? <laughs> it's not like if you're on that train, you can stop it. I mean, you, you got to ride it out, right? It's like sitting on a plane and all of a sudden you got mechanical failures. What are you going to do? Well, I'm, I'm going to flap my arms and I'm going to get there, right? You just suck it up, buttercup. We got to make it happen, right? I would say to most of us, the, the challenge for us here is that we haven't, we, we haven't taken a good look at the numbers. We haven't taken a good look at, at our math. Meditation, I believe, involves two points of focus. One is stillness, and the other is focus. Now, stillness isn't easy for many of us, but I believe if we're genuinely going to meditate on these things, there comes a time in which you have to stop. I can remember as a little boy, my mom and dad drilling into me what it meant to be reverent. That was interesting. My dad never turned reverence into the clothes that I wore. And then when I was a, when I was a teenager and my hair was, you know, past my shoulders, my dad never told me that reverence was cutting my hair. What God taught me, what, what, the, Lord, what the Lord taught me through my dad was that reverence was a spirit of awe and wonder of the holiness and the goodness of the divine creator of the universe, God. And today, I'm still in awe of God. That causes me to stop each day to have a time of stillness. And when I have that, it also gives me time of focus. When, when people say, well, why do you meditate on these things? It is that I can have a stillness in my soul and I can have a focus in my life. My mind and my heart get in sync with the heart of God and they point me toward his way and his will. So the first step to meditation are these two things, stillness and focus. Two plus three now, so we're up to five. Meditation involves three activities. Number one, it requires quietude. We gotta shut the world out. We've gotta shut it down. We gotta, we gotta eliminate the voices. We're in a society that constantly is, is fed. How many times have you sat at a traffic light and for those three and a half minutes that you're waiting for people to get through uh, PIB and 20, you can't help it. You pull up your phone and see how many likes you got on Facebook or Instagram or check your email. 
How many, just go to the next time you're at a traffic light, look people around you, look at how many people are on their phone. We, I mean, if you're in line waiting for something, what do you see? People on their phone. Okay, up the street from our house, there must be a bazillion Pokemons. <laughs> because I'm telling you, man, every evening, there are like 20 dozen people Pokemon it. So the other night, we walked into town and got some dinner. We we're walking back to the house, and I just started asking all, anybody I could see Pokemon it. How's the pokey business? Every one of them were like, good, so good. And I'm thinking, what in the world are you doing with your life? You're hunting pokies. Good Lord, but there's a billion of them. What, what if we just said, let's have some stillness, let's have some focus, let's have some quietude, let's involve some silence. You know what I've learned? It is really hard to hear something when you're talking over it. Now, I, my, my, my ears are challenging anyway, because when I hear other sounds in a room and then I hear a sound I need to focus on, it's a real trouble. I have to really focus before I can get it. And when that happens, then you'll see me leaning into a conversation to make sure I get it. Because often I, I, I don't get it. I, I didn't hear it. I, I have found that silence really is golden. It's a wonderful time. So the three starts with quietude, then silence, and then intentionality. My intent for meditation is all about, I need to get focused on the things of God. Quietude, silence, intentionality. The intention behind meditating is the belief that the rest of my day is going to be far better. And we're going to jump into James chapter 1 and meditate on those things in just a minute. So I got 2 plus 3. We're up to 5. Plus 3 more. Go ahead and write it down. 2 plus 3 plus 3. We're up, up to 8 now. All right? So I believe meaningful meditation has three requirements. Requirements, right? Number one, it's got to become a priority in your life. When, when God is a priority in our life and we genuinely and truthfully and heartfelt believe that God deserves and we owe to him to put him first in our lives over our money, over our job, over our family, over our relationships, over our health, whatever it is. When we put God in the right priority, I'm telling you, things in life will be better for us, but they will not be problem-proof. Listen, if you're attempting to live the Christian life and you are genuinely intent on meditating on the things of God and being in awe of the wonder of God and trying to obey the law of God and trying to serve the people of God, if you're about any of those things, I will promise you Satan is going to attack you, which means if you're under no attack from Satan right now, I know one thing about you. You're not trying to do one blessed thing for the cause of Christ. Because you see, you can look at people and if there's no persecution, then let me just stop and say that means you're not trying to do anything. The fastest way I know for somebody that can't handle criticism, the best way is just don't do anything. Because if you don't do anything, it's like nobody can tell you how wrong you are. But if you're under some persecution, it's only one of two things. Number one, it could be that you're attempting to walk for God and Satan says, man, uh-uh, not you, buddy. You've, you've never had a quiet time. You've never done meditation. You've never made God a priority in your life. You start doing that, I'm going to shut you down. And all of a sudden, you're under attack. But the difference is, when we jump into James, what you're going to see is he has a whole different perspective where you find joy in your affliction. Now, I heard from Greg Laurie watching a video early this week. He said, you know, when you're under persecution, one of two things is true. You're really trying to live for God. Or number two, you did something stupid. Because sometimes we're persecuted because we did a stupid something. You know how many times somebody sits in my office with a marriage 
and, and they'll, they'll, they'll sit there and I'll say, tell me why you're here. And one of the two of them will say, well, I, I, I've been unfaithful. Do you know, I've, I've never had anybody look back at me and when I said, what do you think you need to do to try to restore and build this marriage back? Nobody's ever said, you know what? I need to keep having affairs. I've never, I've never seen an addict sit in, in my office who, who is addicted to alcohol and I'd say, what do you think you need to do? I've never heard one of them say, you know what? I, I need to drink my way through this. You see, the, this passage that, what do we meditate on? When we put God in a priority in a life, I'm telling you, it, all of a sudden it gives you a different perspective on life, including your trials. Secondly, there's gotta be a purpose. What is the purpose? To hear from the Lord. Now, now, let me say to you, if you said, I've never heard from God, I'm gonna give you three points, and this is definitely how you do it. You ready? Number one, hush. Number two, expect. Number three, stop trying to explain it away. Have you ever heard somebody say, use this phrase? You know, I, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize it. Or, you know, I'm not trying to sound like one of those people, but you see, I believe with all my heart, the divine creator, the universe wants and does speak to us when we hush, when we have an expectation we're going to hear from him. We have sought in scripture to know this is his word. He has indeed ordained and he has divinely spoken these words into our life. And when that happens, the purpose is God, I want to hear from you. And then third, we've got to have a plan. How are you going to do this? Now, here, here's my routine, and I'm not suggesting you should do it my way. I believe when you have a plan, it's got to fit you. Like, how many of you are morning people? Can I see your hand? You're morning people? Okay. How many of you are definitely not morning people? <laughs> see? Now, my whole life, you know what I've heard people say? You've got to give God the first hour. My first hour, I'm not fit for man or beast. I mean, I, I wake up looking for something that I can just... How fast can I get coffee in me, right? Well, you know what? I don't want to give God the first. I want to give God the best. I want to give him my most creative. I want to give him the one that is most attentive. I want to give him the one that, that he would say, that's my boy. Come on, get in. Let's come inside, sit in my lap, tell me what's going on, and then ask dad for what you need. So mine kind of looks like this. Uh, I start by listening to our five-minute Sugar Hill Church weekday podcast. You say, well, Chuck, but you do three of them. I know, but by the time I listen to them, I have no idea what I said. But I, I listen to some of them and think, dang, that was good. I listen to others of them and I think, you probably should have put more thought into that one, bro. But I listen to them. I like to hear from Benj on Tuesdays. I like to hear from Bobby on Thursdays. You know what I mean? It's a good thing. I start with those because number one is I want to hear the word. See, I'm kind of, it's kind of like a warm-up. This is batting practice before the game. I'm going to listen to that because it's always, it's always scripture-based, right? And then secondly, I'm going to read the word. Now, the way I do that, I use an app on my phone called He Reads Truth. All right, you can get it in any Android platform or iOS platform. You do it online, hereadstruth.com, whatever. All right, I'm one of those guys that likes to have it mobile. Uh, you Maybe you have Jesus Calling or, 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 or Spurgeon's or, or, or Dr. Stanley's or whoever, right? So then I read the scriptures. And, and on He Reads Truth, I get to pick what plan I'm in. If you have version Bible on, on your phone or tablet, you get to pick a reading plan. Three days, five days, seven days, 30 days, 40 days, whatever you want to do, there's a reading plan. And it'll feed you the scriptures. And you say, well, Chuck, why wouldn't I just take my Bible, close my eyes, put my thumb somewhere, open it up, and that must be what God wants to tell me. Because God is a God of order, not happenstance. 
And if you'll ask him for this direction, I promise you, his word will never return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it, and you need to dig in and have a plan. Most of us don't know how to read the Bible, but a plan can give us that opportunity. Ladies, there's She Reads Truth. Guys, there's He Reads Truth on version, the most downloaded Bible app in the world. They have reading plans. So I hear the word, I read the word, and then through a little five-minute journal, I respond to the word. And when I respond, it's something like this. God, I, I know that was for me. And usually I, I pull out a sentence or a word and I'll say, God, that was for me. And I'll talk to God. And when I talk to God, I speak to him out loud. Uh, I, I never close my eyes because when I close my eyes, this brain is gone. Uh, if I close my eyes, I'm thinking about what I got to do tomorrow. If I close my eyes, it's a to-do list. If I close my eyes, it's something weird. And so literally, I pray with my eyes open. I don't believe it's anywhere in Scripture the Lord said the only way you can do that is to bow your head and close your eyes. Somewhere along the way, we figured that was the thing to do, right? But if, if, if you're dyslexic or ADD or ADHD, it, closing your eyes is not going to help you. I mean, closing your eyes is like, twirl, right? <laughs> so I, I hear, I read, I respond, and then I pray. Now, sometimes in my prayer, I use music. Like this uh, Lauren Daigle album right now, man, the song Trust in You, I, I, it's not unusual to listen to it and sing it three, four, five times in, in my meditation because it's just so overwhelming to me. When you don't move the mountains, I wish you'd move. When you don't part the waters so I can walk through, I'm still going to trust in you. Man, listen, that, there's a prayer. And, and I usually spend about 11 to 12 minutes, sometimes 15, in this time of meditation. That's, that's what it looks like. That's my plan. Two plus three plus three. We're up to eight. Add three more. Let's make it 11. All right, the first thing I believe we do in meditation is we check out what the scripture is. Let's, let's dig a little bit. I don't know how many people say, you know, I try to read the Bible. I just don't get it. Well, it's because you haven't tried. So, now watch this. Let me show you how easy it is, all right? Uh, if, you're, if you're there in James, then look in ver verse 1. James chapter 1, verse 1. All right, let's check it out. This letter is from James. So, who do we know is writing? Uh, oh, really, you can answer. Thank you. Thank you very much. Somebody over there just jumped in it right there. Good for you. All right, so... This is from James, and who is James? A slave of God and the Lord Jesus. I mean, I've totally surrendered. He's kind of like the fetter. I've been shackled to you. So I know James is writing, and who's he writing it to? To the 12 tribes of Israel. And so these are Jewish believers that have been scattered across the world, all right? What does he say? Greetings. How you guys doing? Good to see you. Welcome home. And then he says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. So what is it that I'm supposed to check out? I'm supposed to check out who wrote it, who he wrote it to, and why was it written? So we know it's James. We know he's writing to believers scattered around the globe. So that could easily mean he's speaking to us in Sugar Hill and we're around the globe. And he's saying, the thing I want you to get is this. When you're having a difficult time, consider it an opportunity for joy. 
And, and this is when we're totally freaked out. But Chuck, that's not how I act and react when I have persecution or difficulties in my life. When I get that way, and we have all kinds of ways in which we respond to difficulties in our life, don't we? Some of us, when it's difficult, man, we just become total control freaks and it's our over the top to have it done our way. Some of us, we totally retreat and we try to run from anything like that. Some of us kick the dog some of us drink more, some of us smoke more, and some of us just give up on God. We got all kinds of ways that we look at challenges in our life. Now notice though, James doesn't say if troubles come, does he? What James says is when troubles come. Because you see, what we know that we know that we know that in this life, we're going to leave and live from one trouble to another season of trouble. We're either in it, about to go in it, or just coming out of it. Because this is our life. But James is trying to point out to us, but when you do this and recognize this difficulty, then watch, when you treat it like an opportunity for God to take the priority of your life, now you can look at it and say, I'm filled with joy that my day totally stinks. And you say, Chuck, that, that doesn't happen. It does happen when you decide in meditation, God, I'm going to let you go before me today. And I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to get focused on you. I'm going to check this out and I'm going to mine for the gold that is in there. And you say, well, where's the gold? All right, look in verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces, I want you to say out loud that last word, endurance. You see, at 56, so yesterday we were moving another daughter into college. All right. So after six daughters, we have now moved at least 46 times into dorms or apartments in college towns. We are professional kid movers. And I mean, we've got this thing down to a science. Like Jenny and I can show up and we're unpacking stuff and we're hanging stuff before anybody knows it. I mean, really, we are good now. But now, you know what I've learned? Going all the way back to the first daughter that we moved into Samford University when I was that much younger, going up and down the stairs with all that junk you put in a girl's room was not that big a deal. Yesterday, I was sweating like a pig. I was sore this morning. I was looking for an oxygen mask. I was dying. I mean, literally, I'm like, Ugh. I walked into the apartment carrying stuff. My watch said that I had been up and down those stairs 18 times times. I am so grateful she's on the second floor. <laughs> I am looking for an opportunity to consider it joy and failing. And I walked in and Samantha is laying on the sofa. <laughs> Somehow she became the smartest person in our family. She's thinking that fool will carry all that junk up and I can just watch it. Way to go, Sam Bam. But you know what I've learned? We need endurance. Did y'all know I can actually jog now? <laughs> yeah, well, let me stop and say it's more like a shuffle. You see folks on a walker and they're kind of, you know, that's, that's my jog. So like people will see me uh, at the park because four laps around the park's a mile, right? So literally you, you, you get like two straight laps and people are looking at you with great concern. I mean, you got sweat pouring off of, you know, and I'm, and they're like, oh, that poor guy, he's going to die today. <laughs> I need endurance. And so do you. What Paul's, I mean, what James is saying to, to us is this, hey, when troubles come around, 
when, when your attitude is that, God, I know you can handle this, and I know you can handle this through me, and I know you can handle this for me, I get to look at this as an opportunity, God, that you're going to do something really cool through this, and I'm going to find great joy because knowing that the testing of my faith through this difficulty produces endurance in my life. You know what happens? You can't go out on day one and run a marathon. You just can't do it. It, it, you you got to work toward it. You, you got to train. You got to plan. So I looked online thinking that this would be a really interesting exercise. How long would it take for me at 56 and my health to get to where I could run a marathon? Basically from now to heaven, right? Because I, I can tell you that ain't going to happen. Right? Randall, you can do it, buddy. I'm, I'm out. But you know, I do need more endurance to walk those stairs because we've still got four more years of college. James goes on and says in verse 4, He says, and let endurance have its perfect result. Where? In our lives. Remember, he's writing this to believers. He's saying, let let that endurance that you've gotten because you saw it as an opportunity for great joy in your attitude and your heart and your mind. Now, when that happens, now you've got this endurance. What are you going to use that endurance for? To have a perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Listen, the word perfect doesn't mean sinless. It means complete. It means that you're strong. It's that you're mature. You know, we rarely go to somebody and ask them to pray for us. We don't believe they're a mature believer. By the way, when somebody tells you, would you pray for me? Do you know when the appropriate time to pray for them is? Right then. If they're out in that hallway and somebody says, pray for me, you know the best time to pray for them? Stop right then. And you say, but Chuck, all this is going around. I promise you, God's not disturbed by it. Just go ahead right then. If somebody calls you or texts you, you know what the answer is? I'm praying for you right now. Stop and pray for them right now. Because most of us, unless we keep a prayer journal, most of us are going to hear that and forget about that with all the urgency of the day. Just stop right then. And by the way, when you say I'm praying for you, it it, it probably doesn't mean for the next 37 minutes. It it, it may mean, Lord, today, today, would would you do a great work in Les's life? Would you give him wisdom and maturity and discernment? Let his mind be stilled and focused on the things that you have for him today. Lord, I trust that you hear us and answer us. And I pray all that in the divine and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And that's what it sounds like. Don't make this harder than it is. So what do we do in this meditation? If you look at this text, what do we learn? Eventually, you've got to take the medicine. When, when, I, when I was little, the thing that was the grossest thing on earth to me was cherry cough syrup. I mean, I had a natural gag reflex to to cherry syrup. And I remember my mom saying, you have to take it. And so there I'm, I'm pinching my nose and I'm trying to get it past the tongue to the, and I'm telling you something, I would throw up every time mom tried to enter. I don't know why she was intent on it, but I, I shared it back with her every time. You know what I learned? There's better ways than cherry cough syrup. Because just to smell it today is like, Right? But I got to learn to take my medicine. One of the things the scriptures does, yes, it challenges me. Yes, it encourages me. Yes, it gives me direction. And at times, it corrects me. At times, it gets my heart focused on the right things, not the wrong things. At times, you know what it really does in my life? And I pray it would be for yours. I, when I find a moment of stillness and quietude and focus, and when I get my heart meditating on the things of God, you know what I have learned through all that? that there are times the Lord takes my attitude and reveals it to me where I realize, Chuck, you really are selfish. Chuck, you really are sinful. 
Chuck, you, you, you really are about the wrong things. And you say, well, Chuck, I, I want to hear from God. I, I, I want to I meditate. I, I believe it is like that pill. I believe it would make my day better. But how do I practically fit that into my day? Well, a little while ago, I asked you, are you a morning person? If you're in a morning person, give God this time in the morning. I've heard all my life that the best time to do, to do a, a meditation, a quiet time, a devotion, whatever you want to call it, the best time to do that is give God the first hour. Listen to me. I, I can't do that. My body doesn't think that way. I, I'm, I'm kind of a mid-morning meditator, man. I just, I gotta, I, the brain's got to engage. But you know, I, I, I have an alarm on my phone that reminds me every morning, come on, Chuck, get your hind, ear and hind end and gear and let's do this. That's why today we're saying, let's do this. Let's, let's commit. Let's do this. So you say, well, Chuck, give me something tangible. Okay, so this is my routine. Again, I listen to the podcast and it's kind of a warm up. I promise you, there's never a time that even when I listen to myself, I'm thinking, okay, God, you use that for me. That really wasn't for the people listening. That's for me. Then I read. I read, he reads truth. Right now, I'm still in Acts, and they're still feeding me the book of Acts. I went through Philippians before that. Um, before that, I did all the creation re reading through, through Genesis. And, and you can just pick those plans. And, and so by the time I've finished hearing and reading, I'm at about seven, seven and a half minutes. When I'm done with that, I respond with a little journal. And listen, if you, if you don't think it's a big deal, that's cool. But what I try to do is answer this question, and that is, who was the writer in this passage talking to? What was he trying to get across? And what of that applies to me? It's really that simple. Don't make it any more difficult. By the time I've done that and written, now I'm probably at about eight, eight and a half, nine minutes. And then I pray out loud, like I told you a minute ago, and then I hush. And there are times where I sit there for four or five minutes, and there are times I sit there for 90 seconds. And what I've learned to do is don't make it rigid, but make it where I can do this consistently. You see, when, when you make God a priority consistently in your life, I promise you, every day is better. But that's if I truly believe that living this Christian life is the single greatest way to live between now and heaven, and heaven is the bonus point I get for eternity. But Jesus didn't die for me just to go to heaven. Jesus died for me and shed his blood for me for the forgiveness of my sins so that I could live a piece of heaven with him now. My friend, that's what meditation is for, to be a reminder and a focusing agent in our life that says, this isn't about heaven, this is about today. Heaven will be here soon enough. This is about right now. So I want to ask you, would you be willing this week for the next five days, would you be willing to take a time of about 11 minutes? Two plus three plus three plus three. And carve out 11 minutes of quietude to hear from God and to make him the priority in your life each day. And you say, Chuck, I, I don't have 11 minutes. I promise you do. We have 11 minutes for anything that we believe is right. We have 11 minutes for everything we love. 11 minutes. You say, well, Chuck, I don't, I don't know if I can do 11. Okay, can you do five and listen to this podcast? Can you, can, you, can you add two more to read that piece of scripture? Start with where you can, use what you have, and then let God do the rest of the work in you. 
Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.